Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. Call him now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 and Ask the Lawyer. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. on hallowed ground on trinity place you know wall street and broadway hallowed ground next to trinity cemetery resting place of alexander hamilton and robert fulton among others now for those of you know the show the show is part about estate planning and elder law and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally avoiding going through court avoiding probate and elder law is trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Tonight, we're going to have a couple of interviews on. We have two of my favorite guests on, George Mendeluk, a veteran Hollywood director who did a film that, as he said himself, is not politically correct, Bitter Harvest, and he's getting some flack for it. But uh, if you get to see the, the film, buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. You know, it's a, it's a blow for freedom. And, of course, we got another freedom fighter after that, Dinesh D'Souza, who had to spend some jail time because he offended some people in the uh, Obama administration. Uh, I don't know if we still have freedom of speech or not, but it's being restricted. And one of the things Dinesh D'Souza talks about, and we get into the Civil War a little bit, but there were 100,000 white Southerners who fought on the side of the Union during the Civil War, and a lot of people don't, don't realize that, especially when we start talking about Confederate monuments or whatever. And I know, Beth, some of your ancestors were on that side. No, they were. It was a very difficult time. They did not believe in slavery, and they were conscripted into the Confederate one in Mississippi and then out in Louisiana, and they left their um, Confederate, um, some brothers, and joined the Union. It was very, very hard times. Okay, and if you want to learn more about the Civil War, join us at the Civil War Roundtable. Now, September 13th, we're doing a seminar at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street, 5th Avenue, 51st Street, near St. Patrick's Cathedral. And we're going to do our seminar. If you want to learn about estate planning and elder law, we're going to do our seminar at 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street. That's right off 5th Avenue. And after that, we're going to talk about the Civil War at the Civil War Roundtable. So you can see us twice in the same day if you want. And if you want it, you got to call for reservations right away. Our speaker is going to be William St. Murray, who was on the show last week. And he's a very distinguished author, 25 books, one of the great military historians of our time. And he's going to be speaking at the Civil War Roundtable at 3 West 51st Street. Doors open at uh, 530. The cost to non-members is $60, but you get a three-course meal. But you have to call for reservation at 718-341-9811. 
718-341-9811. Switching gears again, if you want to hear about estate planning and elder law, we're going to be in Staten Island in September. On September, I mean this week, September 12th, we're going to be in Staten Island at Bocelli's Restaurant, 11 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 p.m., three separate seminars. Wednesday, September 13th, we're going to be in Manhattan at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street at 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock. And if you want to call for reservation, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And there, a lot of times what we talk about is how to protect your house because in a lot of cases, you know, the house is the biggest asset in your family and we want to do it right. We don't want to pay taxes. You know, part of the job of Connors and Sullivan is to make sure that we pay the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally. We don't, we don't want to do something you know, where we go against the rules. But within the rules, we want to pay the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally. And if you want to learn how to do that, join us at one of the seminars on Tuesday or Wednesday. We're going to be in Brooklyn at the end of October and then probably in Queens in December. So if you want to learn about estate planning, you want to know when our future seminars are coming up, give us a call at 718-238-6500. Now, we also have another event in October. October 9th. And you want to tell us about it, Beth? Yes. Um, Patrick Wayne, our favorite. Uh, John Wayne's son is going to come to Brooklyn. Um, he's. Uh, we're going to do a fundraiser for the John Wayne Cancer Institute in our home area, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And it's going to be at the Bay Ridge Manor. And we're going to be starting at 6 o'clock. And it's going to go from 6 to 9. There's going to be a buffet. And everything, all proceeds, go to the John Wayne Cancer Institute. Yeah, we're not having one of these fundraisers in an expensive place where, you know, more money goes to the caterer and then it goes no. to the charity. What we're trying to do is maximize the money to the charity. The cost is only $50 per person, and all proceeds will be going to the John Wayne Cancer Institute. So, you know, you want to talk about old movies? <laughs> Patrick Wayne's the guy to talk to. You know, because, you know, there were a lot of films he was in that uh, his father wasn't in. For instance, Mr. Roberts, where he was with Henry Fonda and James Cagney and William Powell and Jack Lemmon. He was in Shenandoah with Jimmy Stewart and Doug McClure. And uh, and then, he, you know, he says, you know, one of his favorite films, his two favorite films, The Land That uh, Time Forgot and Sinbad, the Sinbad movies. Time Forgot, a classic. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's a fun movie. There's no pretenses, oh. but it's a fun movie. There's a lot of action. And, of course, it was, you know, Patrick had a starring role in those two films. So I guess that's, you know, as opposed to playing second fiddle to his father. But I think his performance in Big Jake was, oh, was very, great. very good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and very rarely do we get to see him to, you know, to act that well. So anyway, October 9th, Bay Ridge Manor, 6 o'clock. Call for reservations at 718-238-6500. Ask for Monica to make sure you get uh, the res- reservation in on time. And again, if you come early, you can stop at our office on 5th Avenue and 74th Street in Brooklyn. And you can take a look at some of our uh, Civil War military miniatures. And those of you, you know, you look at Facebook, there's a picture of Ed Bars observing uh, one of our diorama scenes there and uh he didn't he didn't have any criticisms about it which i was very nervous but i spent a lot of time trying to make sure the right flags were in the right places before ed bars took a look at it beth well 
<laughs> Poor Ed Bars and the Flags. Oh my gosh! Can can we tell them about? I'm, we have Otto on our show today too. <laughs> I said Otto was not supposed to be on the show. I know, I know you said that, but he is on the show today. And anybody who has a wonderful little dog will know. Sometimes he does things when they're most they're unexpected. So say hello to everybody, Otto. <laughs> Okay, well, auto to the oh, side. So you sorry. Know. All right, so we're going to have George Mendela coming in in a few minutes talking about his movie Bitter Harvest. It's about the Ukrainian Holodomor, where 25 million Ukrainians were killed, you know, by the Soviets in the 1930s, and it's a horrible crime, and it's to some extent been covered up. It's and, still being covered up to yeah, this day. Right. And George Mendeluk, no, no barking. George Mendeluk, George Mendeluk is one of those guys. Like I said, he's politically incorrect, but he's trying to make his point, and God bless him for doing it. And then we're going to be following up with Dinesh D'Souza, and he's got a new book out about the the origins of the Democratic Party, how they relate to the Nazi Party. You may say, "Hey, what are you talking about?" But listen to him. And we'll take a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, September 12th at Bocelli's Ristorante, 1250 Highland Boulevard in Grasmere, Staten Island at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. And on Wednesday, September 13th at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street in Midtown Manhattan at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors & Sullivan, 718 718- 238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors and Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. 
Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, I'm very pleased to have filmmaker George Mendelik, and he made a, a, a very remarkable picture, Bitter Harvest. It was about Ukraine, the Soviet persecution in the 1930s. How are you doing today, George? I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Now, unfortunately, you like if we lived in the New York City area, the release of Bitter Harvest was very short. But now we can correct that because we can buy a DVD of it, correct? Absolutely, yes. Lionsgate has released it. Tell the audience, I mean, some, some people in the audience know exactly what the film's about. But what is the film about? Well, it's, um, it's really about, um, on, on an entertainment narrative level, it's about a love story between a uh, Ukrainian uh, a girl from the village, a peasant, and um, uh, a young man whose name is Ivan. And he's an artist, a budding artist. And um, their lives are totally um, uprooted, to say the least, because of the Holodomor, which is uh, Stalin's forced starvation of the Ukrainian people, which was an attempt to uh, enforce collectivization. It was also an attempt, um, I might add, Mike, to... Um, to destroy the culture, and um, you know they they had it out for the so-called kulaks, uh, which translates roughly in Ukrainian to fist. And the kulaks were supposed to be the sort of capitalist uh, landowners that suppressed the peasants, which was really hard hardly the case. I mean, um, a typical kulak had maybe a cow, five children, a sick wife, um, all that were starving and maybe a couple of potatoes in a pot. Um, and you would get shot if you took a carrot out of your own garden because the reasoning went that um, that carrot didn't belong to the Ukrainian farmer, uh, or kulak for that matter. It belonged to the state. And so ergo uh, communism and um, you know the wonderful um, political system that we see around the world in certain places today. So... It's really, I guess, if you wanted to, to, um, to kind of look for a, a, a catchy um, analysis or a synopsis of the movie, it's sort of like the current uh, Dr. Zhivago, except um, rather than have the Russian Revolution play out in the background, it's the Holodomor. Okay, now one of the things I have to commend you on, you did a very good job of expressing the evil that was the Soviet system and, of course, Joseph Stalin. Thank you. Very much. Because, I, I, again, what ha the beginning of the, the film, what happens? The, the Bolsheviks come into town? Yeah, well, the Bolsheviks came into town um, really uh, right after the uh, revolution. And then uh, Lenin was the first in power. And he also attempted, oddly enough, um, a famine of the, of the Ukrainians uh, and a cultural genocide, too, uh, if you want to use that term. And uh, that was in the early 20s. And that sailed. And then uh, he, of course, got a stroke and died. And then Stalin came into power. And this is mid-20s. And he, he uh, ruled with the two other men. And uh, they, uh, they were sort of a triumvirate. And then he got rid of them. That was his uh, M.O., modus operandi. You know, you, you form an alliance and then you slowly either kill, shoot. Um, you know, the, your, your allies, and then you assume power. And so he was in power sort of by himself from the late 20s to the early 50s when he died. And uh, the film takes place between, sort of briefly between um, 
the, uh, the, the revolution in 1917 to 1933, because the famine actually started in 1931 with uh, Stalin as the sole ruler and then ended in 1933. And, you know, um, we wanted to shine a light on this because, um, you know, without um, and, and no and no better uh, medium does that than film. You know, it shines a light on the screen and then you see the story. And we wanted to shine a light on, on one of the most horrific episodes of, um, of mankind. And, you know, we all know about the Holocaust, but we don't really know about the about the um, Holodomor. And the reason for that, that is one of the best kept secrets was that um, Ukraine was under the Iron Curtain and there was the Cold War. And so very little information, if any, got out. You could, you could barely even travel in those days. I remember my mother, who incidentally survived the Holodomor, uh, sending packages to, um, to relatives back home. And some of them got through, some of them didn't get through. So information cert- certainly didn't get through. And, and, and here's the, I think, most fascinating part of the picture. Because in case the audience listening uh, thinks that it's some sort of dry history, it's not. It's, um, it, it, it hooks into what's happening today um, with uh, Russia still trying to take over Ukraine by, uh, by taking over Crimea and the, uh, and the uh, 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 eastern part. And, um, and, and that's what they were trying to do back then, and even as early as the 1700s, which is sort of my next uh, picture. But... Um, uh, the reason, the other reason why it was a best kept secret, and here, here's another thing that makes it very relevant and contemporary, is uh, fake news. We hear a lot about fake news. Well, uh, oddly enough, uh, the New York Times did a masterful job of concealing the Holodomor because they had um, a writer called Walter Duranty, D U R A N T Y. You can look him up on the internet. And he won the Pulitzer Prize for writing articles that essentially called the starvation um, malnutrition, bad weather, poor farming practices. I mean, the, the power of the euphemism is, is astounding. You know, the power of the language is astounding. If you call somebody um, a name and you live as derogatory, whether or whatever, suddenly you dehumanize that person and that person deserves the worst fate, and it's okay. There's no conscious or, or, or moral um, uh, aspect to that. You just basically destroy them or put them down or, or discriminate against them. Of course, and Walter so, Durante uh, anyway, got a Pulitzer Prize for his work. Exactly, exactly, Mike. He got a Pulitzer Prize, and there was another writer. And incidentally, the, um, the, the, uh, the New York Times did a very lukewarm uh, apology it really wasn't an apology. They were saying that he didn't have access to correct information, and that's why you know the uh, articles were not exactly accurate, um, and that they didn't have the Pulitzer Prize, uh, um, you know, statue or whatever it is, um, plaque, um, and, and so that's how they kind of gave this limp-wristed um, excuse uh, for for actually you know, coming out and flat out saying this was wrong, these were lies, this was misreportage. Uh, but there was another uh, writer who didn't have the cachet, and his name was, excuse me, his name was um, uh, Gareth Jones, and he was a Welshman. And he traveled with a backpack throughout Ukraine at that time and slept with the people on the floor. 
And um, he wrote for the Western Mail, the Manchester Guardian, and uh, the New York uh, Evening Post at the time. And he and Malcolm Mudridge uh, basically exposed what was really happening. But, of course, Durante had the, the muscle of the New York Times behind him. And so um, the, the, uh, the true story was suppressed and, uh, uh, and, and kept hidden until Ukraine became an independent co- uh, com- uh, country, I should say, in the early 90s. So that's the other background of it. Yeah, I remember an interview I saw taped with Malcolm Muggeridge, and he called Walter Durante one of the most evil men in the history of the world. That's right, and one of the greatest liars he knew, and also a very charming addict. But he was an alcoholic, um, a whoremonger. He was kept in uh, Moscow by, um, by Stalin as, as an apologist, a professional apologist, uh, which is what he did. And um, incidentally, uh, the Pulitzer Prize folks still haven't... Um, uh, apologized for or taken the um, the award away. They thought it would set a bad precedent. Uh, bad precedent, I guess, in this case, meaning uh, you know the reviews on your film. The people who saw your film wrote, you know, outstanding reviews. Well, what what is Rotten Tomatoes anyway? I've got this from my producer here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you know, I mean, the critics uh, critics generally, and I think Rotten Tomatoes uh, in, in particular. Um, is a um, is an online um, platform that uh, basically reviews films and they give it a, a, a rotten tomato or or, or whatever uh, or a fresh tomato and uh, they have far too much power and that's just not my uh, my uh, opinion. Um, Brett Ratner, the producer of uh, uh, Superman and uh, and 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 other movies and uh, and other people like uh, Chris Nolan have come out and said that. Uh, you know, they can really destroy a picture. Um, and the odd thing about it is, just so it doesn't sound like uh, sour grapes, um, it was uh, when, when, when the mic- a picture was first released, the audience reaction was 81%, which is phenomenal. But the critical reaction was 10%. Now, how do you reconcile that? Your film's not politically now, correct. Well, that's exactly it. And uh, one review I think was the best, and I'll quote it. It said, um, why certain critics are bitter over bitter harvest and ambiguous faith in God, love of country are invariably treated with skeptical bemusement and even contempt in Hollywood. So some lukewarm response was not unexpected over bitter harvest and it's straightforward narrative. And the author goes on to say, I won't uh, read the whole thing. It says bitter harvest flies quote. This is bitter harvest flies against today's globalism and moral ambiguities and exposes myths about the Soviets that have uh, preached at, and ha- that has been preached by academia, media, and critical elites for decades. So, um, you know, it, it um, the, the uh, and this really surprised me because I thought the film would stand on its own merits. But I mean, um, you know, they would use language that would to criticize the film techniques or whatever, hiding their political um, persuasion. Um, you know, couched in different language or euphemism again, but um, but you know the film is finding its audience, and I think the film will will outlast many other films that are out today. And I would encourage people to excuse me <coughs> to actually um, look at it uh, because it is entertaining, and you'll find a lot of relevancy to uh, as I was saying to what's happening today. Okay, hopefully in the long run the truth wins out. Now, what's your background, George? Well, I'm Ukrainian. And uh, my mother went through the Holodomor, and I was born in um, 
in Germany uh, uh, during the war, right after the war, and uh, I emigrated to Canada and then ultimately uh, to the United States. I came to Canada when I was an infant, six months uh, old. And my mother, as I said, endured the whole of My father was a director of the Stanislavski Dance and Opera Ensemble um, and, um, uh, in, East, in Western Ukraine, I should say. And um, he would entertain uh, troops and, and people in labor camps and so on and so forth. And when he got to Toronto, he would still continue uh, promulgating the Ukrainian culture. And uh, I would be sitting on his you know, lap watching Ukrainian plays of Cossacks or whatever. And, I guess it uh, indelibly ingrained itself in my subconscious. George, you have a few more minutes? Sure. Okay, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer. I'm talking to filmmaker George Mendelik about his film Bitter Harvest and Ukraine and the rest of the world. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. The pro-life movement is winning. One of the signs of progress is the growing mountain of medical evidence that abortion harms women, men, and families. Even researchers who identify themselves as pro-choice are coming to this conclusion and publishing their research. Abortion advocates try to hide and bury this information. But so much of it continues to come out that their efforts to hide it will not succeed much longer. Abortion really destroys itself. The more it continues, the more it reveals itself as an enemy of the human family. Those who advocate abortion say they care about women's health. But if they do, then they will have no honest rationale for ignoring the harm that abortion does. As the mountain of medical evidence against abortion grows, so should our hope that it will end. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Whenever I sit down with a homeowner, the number one question asked is always, which reverse mortgage option is best for me and my family? I personally will help you decide which reverse mortgage program is best for you. My job is to help active retirees find the best solution for their retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward, objective information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call 888-943-2646. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome back to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. We're speaking to director and writer George Mendelik about Bitter Harvest. Now, George, if you look on IMBD, you got more than a couple of credits there, don't you? Yeah, I got a few. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the business for 45 years, you know, but uh, uh, yeah, I've got a few. And I've, and I've, and I've been fortunate enough uh, to, uh, to live in the States uh, for, for many of those years, uh, and, uh, you know, I love the country, and it's been good to me. And, um, you know, I've made 
I made a lot of TV shows and, and films. Uh, been honored to do that, and um, you know, work with a lot of people that have worked with me. So I've provided work, and um, and uh, I've I've received work, and so you know, uh, to me, uh, United States will always be the beacon of freedom and truth, and um, you know, hopefully that will always remain. Now you started to talk about another film you were working on, and what what's the name of that film? That film is called Forbidden, and it's an interesting picture. And again. Um, I'm sort of finding myself working on films that might be historical in nature and epic, but have a um, have a current relevancy. And the film, as I said, uh, is called Forbidden, and it's about Ivan Mazepa, who probably is one of the most famous and powerful Cossacks in Ukrainian history. And um, he, um, uh, Byron, wrote about him, The Ride of Mazepa. And um, and so did Pushkin and um, uh, Franz Liszt wrote an opera. So he became quite famous in the annals of uh, uh, romantic literature and music. And um, the story there is that he uh, made United Ukraine and tried to keep it independent. And I'm talking about the late 1600s to, to 1709, uh, which culminated in the Battle of Poltava in Ukraine. Now, that battle was important because it thrust Russia on the world stage, and Russia began to be a world power um, that is, that is you, know, you know, that Russia is today. So, uh, and this is all because of forbidden love, because Mazepa fell in love at age 65 uh, with his goddaughter, Motya Kochube, who is my ancestor, believe it or not. And um, so... So um, he was very successful and powerful and happy and wealthy, but he was missing love. And so at that time, uh, the church was very powerful. And if you had a goddaughter uh, or a godson and you were involved in uh, a relationship with them that was amorous or whatever, that was considered incest. So um, it's quite, I mean, today, of course, it's, <laughs> it's not, and people would scratch their heads. But in those days, the church was very powerful and so, again, uh, this is um, Russia trying to take over Crimea in order to gain access to the Black Sea as an avenue to the world. And it's about Peter the Great. And what Mazepa did is he formed an alliance with Sweden and, um, and, and the Cossacks, and they, um, and they went against uh, Russia and lost the battle, quite, quite frankly. And this was all because of forbidden love. You're talking about the history of the Ukraine, and you're saying, how does Putin relate to today's, well, in today's world, Putin relates how to the history of Ukraine and Russia? Putin, I think, in my opinion anyway, um, is still uh, sort of waving the whole imperialistic uh, notion of, of, of Russia. I mean, he truly, when they write and they say he wants um, to, to have Russia be what it was before, um, I think he probably is a great fan of not only uh, uh, Stalin, but also uh, Peter, uh, Peter the Great. And, uh, and uh, you know, there always, there always has been these epithets of uh, Ukraine being called little Ukraine in terms of, um, and it's patronizing, because actually Ukraine um, was the mother of Russia back in the 1100s and the 1200s. Russia didn't exist, and it came out of Ukraine out of Rus. Uh, so um, I think, um, I think you know, he still has that sort of uh, condescending, patronizing, imperialistic gene that, uh, that so many of the Russians, um, uh, Russian leaders have. 
uh, and or have had. And um, again, he's trying. You know, he, he's taken over the Crimea just like Peter the the Great did from the Tartars, and um, they they feel very threatened because they're a landlocked country. Unless they have access to the black to the Black Sea uh, or, or or the Baltic Sea, they're a landlocked country. And Ukraine is very, very uh, rich in mineral resources, gas, oil, wheat, of course, and they, um, they they lust after it. What do you think is Americans, the American government, should do about Putin in the in the Crimea? Well, I think I, I think two things. I think you don't get anywhere, you know. And, and if you look at Korea, what's happening today, when you try to try to engage in um, in, in conflict or war as a solution. On the other hand. Uh, Russians are notorious for smelling weakness, and they don't operate like. Um, and you know, when I say Russians, I don't really mean the people so much as I mean the the, the system. Uh, if they smell weakness, they'll walk all over you. So I think you have to have the carrot and the stick always with them. And you know, they're not doing too well economically. Um, so um, so I think it's encouraging when you have you know the United Nations with China, Russia, etc. voting. Uh, with America and other countries of the world to stop North Korea, for example. But I think you, I think we, we as Americans have to be very, very watchful about what they can and, and, and will do. And, of course, uh, intelligence and subterfuge and misinformation are, are all part of their MO and the tools that they use to, um, to get what they want. All right, well, let's get back to Bitter Harvest. The DVD is out now, so you can buy it. Amazon, I guess, is the best place? Oh, yeah, Amazon, and you can get it also on um, on iTunes, I believe. It'll uh, it'll streamline. And there, of course, they've got just the Rotten Tomatoes 10% critical review, which can turn off a lot of people. I think right now, if you go to the Rotten Tomatoes website, if you can even find this particular page, which is the uh, the people are writing glowing reviews, and I think it's uh, I think it's now 79 or something like that. But it but but, but when it first started and was released, it was 81. So um, you can also get it live streamed as well. I believe on Amazon and also on iTunes. Now my producer says your film has been nominated for a number of awards. What are they? Um, they've been nominated by the Political Film Society for four awards: uh, one for Expose, the other one for Democracy, the third for um, hum- um, Humanity, I believe, and the fourth for um, peace, peace. So um, hopefully we'll get one of those awards. They vote at the beginning of uh, next year, and uh, it's an honor, quite frankly, because uh, a lot of the members are political scientists, and they and they see the value of it. And there's no sort of political agenda um, like we, um, like I think we experienced uh, with uh, some of the critics. There's no question about it. It's uh, obviously a much better film than what the critics thought or said, and and that's because you you have to come from their point of view. Otherwise, it's not sophisticated enough. Exactly. They want to be the cultural conscience of the country. And, you know, people spend lives. I spent four years of my life um, making this movie, and uh, I was fortunate to make it. And some people have asked me, well, how long did it really take? And I said, you know, 45 years, actually, to put the picture out. And, um, and you know, to if you're going to criticize something, then be fair about it. I think it would be entirely fair to say, let's take three, if you even need critics, let's take three um, uh, critical reviews. One is negative, one is positive, and the other one is lukewarm. 
you know, put those on and let the people decide rather than having this, you know, mathematical tyranny that that's also politically based. And it's not just my picture. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other pictures that have been slammed. There was another picture that was um, about the um, Armenian um, a Holocaust, and I think it was called Peace, and that didn't get good reviews. And it was it was the Armenian Holocaust. So um, I think the critics have it out for movies that are that oriented, but it's not it's not just the political pictures. There's other pictures that they feel aren't worthy of the audience going to see it. And I think it's arrogance to try to to try to um, you know impose their opinion on people who you know we live in a very busy society and we look at the paper and we say or we go online oh it's you know it's got 10 percent forget it but there's been a lot of movies that have been badly rated that have done and i believe and, and i hope that this picture will have a, a long library life we certainly hope so for you thank thank you for making the film you know a lot of us out here do appreciate history freedom of speech, you know, the, the evil of communism. And thank you for your part in, in bringing history to life. It means a lot, uh, Mike, to hear you say that. It really does. It's very, very gratifying. And when I sat in some screenings and I actually had people that were, uh, you know, survivors of the Holodomor come up and cry and thank me, there can be no better um, reason for doing something. And it's you know, more gratifying than doing some sort of story on zombies or something. And I've done that too. <laughs> Nothing wrong. No. Nothing wrong with zombies. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> no. Well, thank you again, George, for being on the show. All right. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors & Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is Dinesh D'Souza, documentarian, author, and he has a new book out, 
the Nazi roots of the American left, the big lie. How are you doing today, Dinesh? I'm doing well, thanks. Good to be on the show. Your title took me back a little bit because I really don't think, obviously we're not fans of, of the American left, but really don't think of the American left as having their roots in the Nazi uh, theology, so to speak. Well, I think um, it's certainly true that the conventional wisdom is that communism may be on the left, but Nazism is on the right. And this idea is given support by the fact that in World War II, the Soviet Union, the communists, were on one side, and the Nazis, the fascists, were on the other. Now, ironically, once you dig into this, uh, you discover that fascism and communism are ideologically very similar. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, if they're so similar, why do they go to war? Well, it's in, in reality, ideologies that are very close sometimes do fight very bitterly. I think, for example, of the Shia and the Sunni. They're both inside the House of Islam. They both agree 99% on their doctrinal ideology, and yet they've been fighting for centuries, fighting not only about ideas, but fighting also about converts and about power. Okay, now when you were on the show last time, we spent a few minutes talking about Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood and shared a lot of similar ideas about genetics and euthanasia with, with the Nazis and Adolf Hitler. Well, when I started this book, The Big Lie, I was hoping to trace some similarities between the development of eugenic ideology on both sides of the Atlantic, both in America on the one hand and in Nazi Germany on the other. What I didn't realize is, is that the Americans were the world leaders in eugenics in the early part of the 20th century. And progressives like Margaret Sanger and others came up with a whole bunch of ideas. Forced sterilization was one. Another was the idea of what one California eugenicist named Paul Popino called lethal chambers. To basically line people, what he considered to be unfit or useless people, and kill them. Now, the Nazis heard about these American ideas at international eugenics conferences, and they basically said, fantastic, we're going to run with this. And so the Nazi forced sterilization program of 1933 or the Nazi euthanasia program of 1935 were both actually based on blueprints drawn up by Sanger and other American eugenicists. What other roots are there of not the Nazi roots of the American left? What else did you find? Well, I show in the book, and this is breaking a lot of new ground here, that the Nazis who wrote the Nuremberg Laws, the Nuremberg Laws were the laws of 1935 that made Jews into second-class citizens. They prevented or forbade intermarriage between Jews and other Germans. They segregated the Jews into ghettos. They involved state-sponsored discrimination against Jews, including later confiscation of Jewish property. Now, here's the amazing thing. As all these senior Nazi officials gather in the room, they say to themselves, we are starting the first racial state in the world. And then one of the Nazis kind of breaks up the party by saying, sorry, guys, we can't do that because the Democratic Party in the United States has already done it. They've beaten us to the punch. They already outlaw intermarriage between blacks and whites. They already have segregation. They already have state-sponsored discrimination. So essentially all we have to do is take their laws, cross out the word black, write in the word Jew, and we're home free. And so the point I'm trying to make is, again, not that there are parallels or similarities between democratic laws, Jim Crow laws, and Nazi laws, but that the Nazis actually had in their hands the democratic laws and were using them, were just modifying them very slightly in order to get the notorious Nuremberg laws of 1935. But would at the same time, would you say the Democrats of, let's say, the, the Jim Crow era, were they the American left? They were. Um, um, 
now when we we have to make some distinctions here when you mentioned margaret sanger a moment ago now you're talking about the progressives and the progressives overlapped with the democrats but they were a distinct left-wing movement there were some republicans as well who were progressives but the progressives were mainly on the left when we talk about the democratic party we have to make a little twist because the democratic party now is a little different than it was in the 1930s and 1940s but at the same time we're talking about the same party look by and large we are all held accountable for our own history right notice all the people who are rampaging through the south pulling down confederate monuments they're blaming the south for southern history for secession and so on well why shouldn't the democratic party be held accountable to its own history a history for which it has never admitted never apologized never paid one penny of restitution for true i mean again a lot of those statues are up to democrats a lot of those southern statues being torn down those guys were members of the democratic party well that's certainly true but i also think it's interesting that when you see this these taking down of statues nobody identifies them as democrats they only identify them as southerners and so to me that is part of the big lie in other words the big lie is an attempt to take the sins of the democratic party and project them onto the south you know there's an important distinction here and that is that the secession debate of 1860 was in fact between the north and the south but the slavery debate which actually began in the 1820s and continued all the way to 1860 a 40 year old debate that was not a north south debate in fact toward the end the slavery debate was entirely between the pro slavery democratic party north and south and the the anti slavery republican party yeah and as uh, the listeners to our show know there were a lot of southerners back in the 1850s 1860s who were opposed to slavery just like most of New York may be liberal. There are New York conservatives. And just back then, let's say my wife was from Louisiana, most of them may have been pro-slavery. But at the same time, there was an abolitionist movement, which did help the Underground Railroad and such in, in the uh, 1850s. Well, first of all, you know, most Southerners did not own slaves. Most Confederates didn't own slaves. Second, 100,000 Southerners fought on the Union side in the Civil War. And third, the Northern Democrats, led by Stephen Douglas of Illinois, protected slavery for more than a decade with the same zeal as the Southern Democrats. So the Democratic Party in the North was also a protector of slavery, just as in the South. We're talking about 150 years ago. What do you want the reader to take out of the book today? What's the connection? What, what do you want them to learn? Well, the key point here is this, that the left has been playing the race card and now the fascism card. And the purpose of these cards is to avoid normal political debate. The purpose of this is essentially to say, we, the left, are the good guys, the party of anti-fascism. Uh, that's why one of the anti-fascist groups is Antifa. And you, the right, you are the fascists. So we don't have to argue with you. We just have to pr repress you, prevent you from speaking on campus, disrupt you, beat you up, get rid of you by any means necessary. So the, the fascism charge is a justification for violence and for conduct that would normally be unacceptable. And so what I'm trying to do in this book is blow up the race card and blow up the fascism card, not only by saying that the right is not guilty, but by, tr by essentially sort of showing that the left is, a, is trying to blame the right for things that the left is actually responsible for. It's a form of what Freud called transference. Now, I just want to remind the viewers, you had the courage for convictions where you, in effect, had to serve some prison time through the Obama administration. Well, I was dispatched to a confinement center for eight months for a technical campaign finance law violation. No American has been prosecuted for doing what I did, let alone locked up. 
And this, to me, is actually the worst type of fascism. I mean, we worry about, you know, the guys marching in Charlottesville or the Antifa thugs at Berkeley. But the truth is the most dangerous fascism is not the fascism of the street, but the fascism of the institutions, the, the powerful Hollywood bosses who can th- destroy your career if you speak out of turn, or the academic deans who can run, you know, make you a pariah on campus, or like with Obama and Hillary, the people who can use the power of the state, the FBI, the Justice Department, the IRS, to go after their political enemies, that's much more dangerous than some kid in a mask with a baseball bat. You bring up in your book the collectivism of Big Brother. How does that relate to today? The way it relates today is that the um, the core meaning of fascism is not authoritarianism or nationalism. The core meaning of fascism is the advocacy of the powerful centralized state. Mussolini, who formed the first fascist regime in the world, said everything in the state and nothing outside the state. And what he meant by this is the state is kind of like a big organism, a living organism, and each individual is a cell within it. So you have no rights, you have no importance, your only importance is to the degree you serve the state. Now, my point is, does that sound like the platform of the Republican Party or the platform of the Democratic Party? Well said. Dinesh, thank you for, uh, you know, your fight for political freedom, for freedom of speech. I hope your book does well, and we want to see that. What, what's your next documentary? Well, I'm going to take these themes in the big lie. Next uh, year is a big uh, midterm election year, a lot of Democratic seats up. And so I'm going to release a movie based on this book uh, next summer. Uh, and then out in DVD um, in the fall. Thank you, Dinesh D'Souza. Again, thanks to our guest, George Mendeluk and Dinesh D'Souza. And you know, Beth, Dinesh D'Souza brought up a point which I think a lot of people don't realize, is that during the American Civil War, there were 100,000 white Southerners who fought for the Union. There were a lot of the people along that Appalachian spine. And as you know, Some of my ancestors were those people. Because they were involved in the Underground Railroad before the war and, of course, after the war or during the war, they fought for the Union Army. And there were a lot. You hear about the Underground Railroad, and you think it's it's one specific route with one specific group of people, and it wasn't really. There were a whole lot of people that worked to move... to, to move some of the slaves, the escaped slaves, in my, in my case, my family was getting them up the Mississippi River from Mississippi and Louisiana. Okay, now next week, who's coming on our show? Who do we have? Patrick do we Wayne. Have Patrick, do we Patrick have Wayne's Patrick coming. Wayne? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And he's going to be talking about his movie career, but more importantly, he's going to be coming, he's going to be talking about coming to Brooklyn on Yay! October 9th. <laughs> We're going to have a great time. Oh, I hope I hope our listeners will come, too, because, you know, there are not many times that we could get to see you, and it's going to be a, it, a lovely night. It's not going to be expensive, and it's going to be so much fun. Patrick Wayne is, is giving a lot of himself to come. He's, he's going to be at the big fundraiser on, August, on October 10th, but he's coming to Brooklyn that one night, October 9th, to be with us and say hi to all our Brooklyn friends. All right, so this is a chance to get part of Hollywood history. Patrick Wayne, who was in 10 films with his father, another 10 films directed by John Ford. And in fact, I think if you take some of the TV films that John Ford directed with Patrick Wayne, he may be even in more. So it's it's a part of Hollywood history, and Patrick Wayne appreciates the history of his father and his godfather, 
John Ford. So if you want to talk about old movies with Patrick, you're going to have a, you know, a, a willing companion to that conversation. So I think we're hearing David Kincaid in the background right now. So it's it's time oh, to no. say it's time to say goodnight. But next week, Patrick Wayne, October 9th, Patrick Wayne in Brooklyn at the Bay Ridge Manor, 476 76th Street. You can check our website and you can see the information on our website where to get tickets. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. Bye-bye. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all the way. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all the way. Mike Connors, host of Ask the Lawyer and published in New York Magazine's top-rated lawyers. Whether assisting a client with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, nursing home plan, or other matter, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of their clients' rights and interests. Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, has dedicated attorneys that can help you with estate planning, elder law, and probate. They listen to their clients to learn about their families, their financial picture, and their long-term goals to create a comprehensive plan to meet your objectives. They assist with the complex tax matters that are often involved in estate planning and probate. Contact Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, with offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Midtown Manhattan, and Staten Island to schedule a free consultation with an attorney. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And listen to Ask the Lawyer right here every Saturday evening at 6. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.